You're listening to Blood on the Tracks, an exploration and celebration of film soundtracks and scores. Welcome back to Blood on the Tracks, an exploration and celebration of movie soundtracks and scores. I'm your host, Lee Russell. This is episode 31, and this is the second part in what is just going to be a two-part look at the soundtracks and scores from movies that were, at least in part, inspired by Alien or Aliens, or just ripped them off altogether, which there are so many. I actually was convinced that I was going to be able to do maybe three or four parts here, but as I started doing more and more research, it's just a lot of these movies actually aren't all that good. (laughs) The majority of the movies that have sort of ripped off Alien and Aliens just haven't been all that good. Or if they're just, you know, so low budget and unknown, even if they're good, there's no thought put behind releasing the score, you know. Although... In this day and age, who knows, five years from now, the scores for all these movies I wanted to include might be readily available on vinyl and uh, everywhere else. Uh, seems to be the trend that just about everything is getting its score released these days uh, for collectors and nerds. Maybe it's kind of replacing the uh, VHS tape collecting uh, trend that was so big for a while. Maybe this is kind of the new thing, who knows. But yeah... Uh, we got a list here. It's not a large list. Uh, I did manage to find 12 tracks here, but some of them are a little bit shorter. And, I mean, I could have made this list bigger. I could have gone a little deeper and extended the running time of the actual music you're going to hear on this episode. But it, that would inc- just mean, like, oh, I have to play, like, half half a soundtrack album from a certain film or something like that. And I don't really want to do that so much. But we're going to start off with uh, a film from 1980 which is definitely, definitely influenced by Alien. It's basically Alien, the Kmart version, because it's so low budget. Um, But it's kind of fun. Uh, This is The Killings at Outpost Zeta, uh, uh, directed, produced, I think written, and also scored by Robert Iminger. I'm probably pronouncing his name incorrectly. Iminger, Iminger, uh, something along those lines. Yeah, but he kind of did it all for this film, and... He had a few composer credits and stuff in, like, sort of similar low-budget sci-fi films. Um, He was involved in, I think, composing the music for a film called Life Pod, which is a sci-fi remake of Lifeboat by Alfred Hitchcock, uh, which is intriguing. I kind of want to check that out. Um, But yeah, this is is a suite of uh, different uh, pieces of music from that film. And this is from uh, a YouTuber, I think the the account is Fishman. I've actually pulled a lot of stuff from this guy's account, so I just wanted to give him a little credit, because uh, he goes into some of these obscure movies and pulls out music and cleans up the tracks a little bit, as much as he can, and releases them as sweets. And uh, yeah, this is a nice little ten minute piece that we're uh, going to go through first, and then we're going to come back on the other end of that and look into some more tracks.
Okay, now we have two films, and we're going to look at two tracks from each of these films. First up, we're going to look at The Deadly Spawn from 1983. Uh, I love this little uh, grungy little B-movie, uh, full of gore and uh, great practical effects. Now, the connection to Alien and Aliens here is a little less direct. It's, it's more um, an aesthetic choice, I guess, because... Uh, as you know, or as you may know, the Geiger uh, alien designs are very, very phallic in nature, and uh, it's not hard to really, uh, not it's not hard to really see that. The Deadly Spawn sort of takes it a step further, where they just outright look like big space penises with teeth, and so that's kind of the connection I'm going with here. The score was done by Michael Pirlstein. And uh, he's known for doing Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers and Winter Beast. I mean, come on, those are chops right there. So we're going to look at Afternoon of the Spawn and the Spawn who came in from the cold, from the Deadly Spawn. And um, a lot of the tracks on that album actually have fun little pun titles. So uh, that's good stuff. And then we're going to switch over to a Toby Hooper uh, film, an underrated one, I'd say, Life Force from 1985. The biggest drawing point here, of course, is the fact that uh, the beautiful Matilda May is naked throughout about 90% of her screen time in this film, and she's in this film a lot. This uh, film was originally done by uh, Henry Mancini, did the score, but a lot of this film got chopped, and they wanted to bring Mancini back and record some new music for different scenes, but he was unavailable, so they brought in Michael Kamen. Now, Michael Kamen is known for doing a shit ton of stuff. If you've watched movies in the 80s or 90s, you have seen something that he has scored, basically. He's that prolific. He's done stuff like Highlander, Event Horizon, The Dead Zone, Brazil. Just a ton of stuff. ton of TV as well. So he came back and rescored certain scenes and made new music for the film. So we're going to look at his stuff instead of the... Uh, more well-known and loved uh, main theme for Life Force from uh, Mancini. We're going to look at After Autopsy and Hypnosis from Life Force. And that's going to take us to our halfway point this time around. We're going to take a break. We're going to play some podcast promos. And then we're going to come back for the second half of the show.
you ungodly warlock. Hello there. My name is Matt, and I'm a humble court bailiff in a courtroom designed to bring musical justice to all. Each week, we have a podcast with a judge and a jury, and we determine whether a song is guilty, not guilty, or not guilty by reasons of insanity. You know, something like, uh... Or maybe it's a cover of Tom Petty. You can find us wherever you find podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, all that stuff. Just look for songs on trial, please. Okay, I love you. Make good choices. Back for the second half of the show, and now we have some anime that was influenced by Aliens and Alien. Uh, this is a film called Lily Cat, and it's uh, spelt Lily and C dot a dot t dot from 1987 this is weird <laughs> i didn't watch the whole thing i sort of skimmed through it it has a lot of characters it has a lot of p- plot twists it has a lot of unnecessary stuff but it has a really cool gooey alien monster that's wiping people out it's got a robot cat for some reason uh, it's got a lot of stuff in it it's got imposters doing double crosses and uh, I think it was done by the same people who did Robotech for sort of the American audiences. Um, at least the people, I think, like the producers behind, like, sort of bringing Robotech to American, North American TV in the 80s. I think it was kind of the same people. Um, and I'm, it might be the same animators and stuff who did the actual Robotech as well in Japan. But we're going to look at Introduction in Cruel System from Lily Cat. And this is done by Akira Inoue, and he's not particularly prolific as a movie composer, from what I can gather. I was looking at his sort of resume, and it looks like he's more just an actual musician who releases albums, and and that seems to be more his uh, main focus. I think he's done a little bit of video game music, he's done a little bit more film, but I think most of his stuff is actually... Um, just releasing his own work on albums and uh, making his money that way. So there you go. We're going to move on. And this is, it was originally intended to be the sequel to The Deadly Spawn. This is Metamorphosis, The Alien Factor from 1990. Um, It was changed a little bit, but it is sort of got the aliens and alien uh, influences in here big time. One thing it does sort of keep from... The Deadly Spawn as they continue to make the monsters look even more like fucking penises. This time with foreskin and everything. Um, they just go all out on making like this big monster that gets loose in a lab. Well, it doesn't get loose. It, the scientist gets bitten and changes into a monster. So actually it's got connections to the early uh, Hammer film, the, the Quatermass Experiment. Which I was thinking of including on this, but I already included it in a previous episode. I think it was the James Bernard Scores episode. So if you want to hear that, go back there. But yeah, this one has all those things. It's actually kind of fun. It's incredibly stupid. It's poorly acted. It it is just a B-movie through and through in that regard. But it's enjoyable. It's, It's one of those so bad it's good kind of things. And the effects are great. 
The effects are actually amazing in this. There's a lot of stop motion in it that is amazing. I highly recommend it, actually. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to look at Baby You've Changed from Metamorphosis, and this is from John Gray and Peter M. Stoller. Stoller also does the vocals on this. And I don't know anything about these two guys. I haven't seen anything else they've done. I tried peeking around, but I didn't really get anything substantial. So it almost feels like this is a one-and-done kind of thing for them, almost, as far as films goes. And then after that, we're going to move to the end theme from Critters 4, which, of course, the inevitable horror franchise goes to outer space. Although, unlike a lot of these horror franchises, this one actually has the excuse of... It started in outer space and came to Earth. Now it's going back to outer space. It's going full circle. So at least they're not being as cheap. But in reality, they are because the movie sucks. It's an alien, aliens rip off. You know, critters on a ship, hunting through the ship, killing people one by one, yada, yada, yada. Critters are... Uh, the first two movies are kind of fun. But, I mean, Critters isn't great. Um, I never rated it all that highly. And this movie isn't good. Uh, but the music is done by one Peter Manning Robinson, who we've featured on this show before. I think it was either one of the end-of-the-world-themed uh, shows or one of the Canadian horror-themed shows. I'm thinking it was a Canadian horror-themed show because uh, I feel like it was very recently that I talked about him before. He's also the inventor of the refractor piano, which is this this fancy piano that gets rid of the need of a lot of synthesizer hookups and all that nonsense, uh, and achieving sort of the same goals. He scored Radioactive Dreams and Pin as well, and so that's what he's known for. This music actually isn't all that great, uh, I'll warn you right now. It starts out with a goofy sort of little rockin' critter song, and then it turns into some synth stuff and that's fine i just included it because i wanted to eat up some time there you go <laughs> and we'll be back for our final bracket of songs after that
All right, we're going to finish off now. We've got a few more tracks. First, we're going to look at Deep Rising from 1998. And it's going to be The Underwater Grave in the Saipan from Deep Rising, uh, done by Jerry Goldsmith. Deep Rising is just one of those fun action films from the 1990s. It's got, you know, monsters taking out people in corridors. In this case, it's in a ship, I believe. At one point, it gets flooded by water, and they drive around on sea dews. I think at this point, there was another film right around this time. It was a heist movie starring Christian Slater, where a town gets flooded, and then and a, a crew of criminals decide to like rob the bank or some shit while the town is flooded, and there's all kinds of sea dew action in that one as well, if I recall correctly. But yeah, this I think it has Treat Williams in it, if I'm not mistaken, and it's got a pretty slimy tentacle monster. It's kind of like a half sea worm, half giant octopus. At the end, it's like, at first it looks like there are all these uh, worm-like creatures attacking people, but in reality, it's this giant mutated octopus thing. And, um, yeah, it's kind of fun. It's it's not a great movie, but it's fun. Uh, Then we're going to move on to The Gauntlet from Pitch Black from 2000. And this was done by Graham Revel. Um, he was in a band called SPK, which was some sort of electronic industrial band from New Zealand, I believe. And he went on to have a very prolific, uh, composer career. Uh, he's, he's done Dead Calm, Child's Play 2, People Under the Stairs, The Crow, Street Fighter, From Dust Till Dawn, uh, Freddy vs. Jason, Sin City. As you can see, he's worked a lot with, uh, Robert Rodriguez, and, um, he's done a bunch of his movies. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. Uh, Again, one of these guys, if you've watched movies in the last 20, 30 years, you've probably seen something he's been involved in. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to look at that. And then we're going to finish off with something that definitely pays homage and uh, rips off Alien and Aliens. Uh, It did so as a video game, and it does so as a movie. And we're talking about Doom. And the track is called Doom, from Doom, from 2005. I know they've uh, done, like, a reboot of this movie franchise in the last year or so that apparently wasn't uh, well received and this movie wasn't all that well received back in the day either although it did star um, Carl Urban and The Rock Um, I thought it was kind of fun I mean I wasn't expecting anything from it to be honest and they delivered above my expectations that's for sure I thought the performances were fun it was like yeah it's a derivative alien slash aliens ripoff but it was a decent one, and I liked, I actually really liked the first-person gimmick they used to try to replicate the feel of the video game a little bit. I thought it was kind of cute. Whatever. Um, but the track here is done by Clinton Mansell. He, he was from the band Pop Will Eat Itself. And uh, he is also another guy who went on to do a fairly prolific musical score uh, career here, composer. And... He's worked a lot with Darren uh, Aronofsky. He did Pi, Requiem for a Dream, uh, The Fountain, The Wrestler, Black Swan, Noah. And uh, he's also done a couple of Ben Wheatley projects as well. So uh, doing some cool stuff. And yeah, that's going to end off this uh, show, guys. Pretty sure that next episode, it might be a two or three episode series, but at the very least... Next episode, I'm going to start looking into um, Lovecraft adaptations. We're going to go directly into Lovecraft 
adaptations and uh, and maybe branch off to quote unquote Lovecraftian films. I don't want to get too muddy in the waters there. I kind of want to stick to specifically uh, Lovecraft adaptations that are saying they're Lovecraft adaptations, but we'll see. And um, until then, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you later. Bye-bye.
You've been listening to Blood on the Tracks. For previous episodes or episodes of our other podcasts, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>